This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Welcome to the School of Word and Worship. And uh, we were kind of getting ready for this year. One of the things that kept hitting me in the face is uh, Jesus says, my words are spirit and they're life. And then in worship, he says that there's, there's going to come a day when people worship me in spirit and in truth. And so in order to dive into the word, we need the spirit. And in order to dive into worship, we need the spirit as well. And so like, this is just crazy because I've seen teachings at times be like informational. And even me, I'm like, I just love the Bible so much that I'm like, hey, let me tell you about the Bible. But even this has become an idol at times for me, you know? And even teachings can be so good that I like, I'll put that above the spirit. And so I just want to invite us all to kind of like, I love the Bible. We're going to have so much scripture. It'll probably blow your mind. But, but I'm telling you, let's go there in the spirit. Let's study in the spirit. Let's worship in the spirit. And like with our lives in the spirit, let's keep that first as we go into any of this stuff. Cool? Yes. Amen. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. I'm glad we can do this all together. <sighs> you guys good? Me too. Listen, I'm telling you, it's so weird what can distract us from yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, it it's just the hum, and I'm literally like, this hum is more important than the Lord. <laughs> but anyways, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. We're staying focused. Not, not, even, not even on me, but what the Spirit of God's doing. Cool. So weird. I wrote my notes in such a weird way. Okay. Okay. All right, let me tell you a story to start. You guys could, if you get bored, just be like, boo, okay? Let me tell you a story to start. Me and, me and Rafa and Pastor Abel were out to eat at dinner one night. And um, we're just celebrating life and really talking about you guys and dreaming about so together. We're just talking and eating, having a good time. And at the very end of our conversation, the very end of our dinner, this guy who looks kind of familiar, has a mullet, comes up to me, big dude. And he's like, Nate Knight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my best friend from high school that I haven't seen in 10 years. The last time I saw him was 2013. And he starts going off about embarrassing story. It was, it was, I was like, oh, maybe don't say that so loud, you know? And so he's going off and stuff. And um, we're just kind of catching up with, with Pastor Abel and Rafa. And I'm, and I'm telling him stories. And he's talks, we're talking about families, my family, his family. And his family is, he has a daughter. And she's like seven or eight years old. And I was like, oh my gosh. He married and had a daughter with the girl that I introduced him to that I knew in middle school. I was like, I, we, I, met, I made that match. I was like, I, and I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to take credit, but I just thought it was so crazy. I went home and told my wife, I was like, babe, this guy has a, there's an eight-year-old walking around on the earth because at a high school basketball game, I was like, hey, bro, I know this girl. You guys would make a great couple. She would love her. And they had a baby. And I thought to myself, that changed his life forever. And that was just a conversation. Isn't that wild? I thought that blew my mind. But then as I was getting ready for tonight, that's what I want to do with, with us here. I want you guys to come up to me in five or ten years and be like, the intimacy that I've had with the person of Christ has birthed something that has changed my life forever. I don't care if you remember me or I don't care if we, we don't talk after this. I want to see intimacy with the person of Christ that changes your life forever. And me included, I'm included in this. I've been hungry, so hungry for this, this abundant life. Anyone else want to hear, like, want to see? Yeah. 
the abundant life in their life. And and just hungry for the things of God. You know, we talked about getting serious last week, and I don't think that's something that Pastor Kathy brought and and then everyone adjusted to. I think that's been stirring in a lot of us. I I want to get serious and stuff. I feel that that myself. And I've been wanting to get serious about, like, I want to see God in my mornings. I want to see Him. At night when I go to bed, I want to see Him. When I go and I get in the car and leave church, I want to see Him. Um, In interactions with people and how I deal with people, I want to see Him. I'm hungry. Like, where we want to see God, right? Cool. I just, I want to move from there. Okay, great. Ah, Lord. So I want to see God. Um, I'm hungry for the abundant life. On that note, let's go to Luke chapter 12, verse 49. Cool? We're going to talk about how we see you. All right, now listen. Don't get mad at me because these letters are in red. All right. So this seems kind of contradictory, kind of jarring. But Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, come to destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And I'm like, yes, God, I'm hungry for that life. Tell me more. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, he says this, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. And then in verse 51, it says, do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather Division. That's Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 51, what I just read. Yeah, okay, cool. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Okay, so let me tell you. I'm sitting here saying, I'm hungry for life, God. I'm hungry for the abundant life. And Jesus is like, I've come to, great news. I've come to bring abundant life. That's wonderful. But then I'm reading in my Bible and he's like, I've come to send fire on the earth. As a matter of fact, I wish it was already kindled. You know what? You thought I came to bring peace? No, 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 not at all. I've come to bring division. And I'm sitting there and I'm literally studying the word of God, laughing out loud in my office because I'm like, God, do you understand how you sound, sound like you're trying to bamboozle us? <laughs> like I sit, I'm telling you, I'm laughing so hard because I'm wrestling with the word of God. Yeah. I'm wrestling with it. I'm like, I don't understand it, God. I don't get it. How can you say I've come to bring life? But it sounds like somebody, I, I was laughing because I was like, it sounds like someone shows up at my door, has a large pizza and has like a, has like a Coke and some, and flowers for my wife and, and chocolate. And he's like, I got you this for free. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. Come on in. And he's like, psych, and I'll burn your house down. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And he's like, and on top of that, you thought I was here for peace? Division. And it's like, what? And so I was laughing with God about that. And I was like, God, I just don't get it. I need to understand it so bad. But here's one of the things that, that I've found is as I wrestle with the word of God, as I get to know, I'm not trying to get to know information. I'm trying to get to know the person of Christ. And so when I interact with him, when I don't, when I come to something I don't understand, my pursuit is not information or knowledge about him, but it's like, I want to know you. So and when I brought this question to him, that's how I was wrestling with it. It was, I don't understand. It seems like this, but it's actually this. What, what's going on here? But what led me into digging into his heart was I was so hungry for the abundant life. In fact, I was so hungry for the abundant life that I was willing to consider the fact that that maybe the fire of God in the division that Jesus desires, I might need to walk into the abundant life. I was so hungry to see the things of God that it's like, I, you know what, I'm willing to, to entertain the possibility that maybe if he's coming to bring fire and he wants to bring division, I might need that in order to step into the abundant life. Could be possible. Maybe. Who knows? So it might be that. Remember, we're talking about, we want to see God in our life. We want to see God in our life. We want to see him in our mornings and stuff like that. And it's like, 
you guys who, you know, love the like Bible nerds, like if I tell you this, who will see God? What do you think? Oh, the pure in heart. That makes me so happy. Okay, so uh, Matthew chapter five, verse eight. I don't have it, but you can put it up there. Is uh, Jesus talking about who will see God? So we're talking about we want to be hungry to see God. And he said, blessed are those, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I want to see God in my morning. Then I have to be pure in heart. Right, this, is, this is where it starts to get fun. I had trouble with that verse. Actually, I love that verse. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I love that verse. But I kind of misdefined that idea of like, what does it mean to be pure in heart? So if I'm wanting to see God, but, but, my, but my heart's not pure, I think, does my heart have to be perfect? Like, well, I'm not perfect. I messed up. And sometimes I wouldn't, it would be hard to interact with God because I'm thinking of all the mistakes I've made. And the other mistake I made too is like, what do you mean pure in heart? I know God. I love God. So I should have him in this thing. It was like, I should have him in my morning. I, lo- I love God and I, whatever. And it's like, we, because of our definition of pure, how we enter, like when I say pure, whatever you think of, it can change like how we interact with the word. Okay. Okay. So just bear with me. I'm gonna keep going. Here. So how do we, actually have a pure heart. What does the Bible say about pure heart? It's going to help us get on the same page. Cool. Don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about, you know, in the the stuff I mentioned, let's just go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse three. I should give you time to go there, right? I have little stickies on my thing. Okay. So we want to see God. God says, blessed are the pure heart for they shall see God. And we're like, well, what does that mean to be pure in heart? The refining pot for silver in the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. The refining pot for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. I'll say it one more time. The refining pot for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So we know what a furnace is. Furnace has fire. It's hot, right? But do we know what a refining pot is? It's, it's, the, it's the way that would take gold, like, like take my ring, for example, and, and precious metals, and they would, they would heat them up. They put them under such extreme heat and stress that it would melt them into this mess. And, and once, it got, once it got heated up and stressed enough, then they could actually divide what is gold and what's not, yes. and they would extract anything that's not of gold. Yes. So it would be pure gold yes. or pure whatever. And so when we're looking at Blessed are the pure in heart. And we're like, oh, I want to be pure in heart. Well, how do we do that? Well, there needs to be step one, fire. So when you think refining, think fire. Okay? If they, if God, I, I want to be refined. But you're expecting to be refined without fire. You can clean this ring and make it shiny, but you cannot refine it without melting it. You see what I'm saying? I can spit on it and just get some lifestyle, clean it up. But it won't change what's actually inside of it. In order to do that, it has to be melted down with fire. When you think refining, think fire. Okay, but then when you think fire, think division. This is not about punishment. God is not like, oh, you bad ring. I'm going to put you through fire to see what you do. It's not about that at all. That's not his heart. In fact, it's the opposite of punishment. Come on. It's not about punishment. It's what if you're looking at refining gold, it's what is in it that's not of it. That's the purpose of refining. That's the, when we go through fire and dividing and extracting on all the parts of refining, it's what is in this gold that's not of it. And so the opposite of punishment, it's actually trying to make it pure gold. And so when God is, when we walk through trials or, or fire or anything, we're under extreme stress and, the, and we have the opportunity to divide what is of, what's in me that's not of God. 
We actually have the opportunity to ask that question. It's not to punish us. It's to say, oh, that's not of you. That's not of me. Let me pluck that out of here. We have the opportunity. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. I don't really want to, but I will. I heard that this is, these are helpful, but so, cause that's like, that's like the, um, that's like the picture, right? Everyone sees my ring and they're like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Right. But to make it really real for me, one day I was in my office, I was doing some work. And when I get in the zone, I'm like, it's like, I just don't like to, I'm just like in it, you know, everything inside me. I'm like, just going, going, going. And it's, and it's hard for me sometimes to stop what I'm doing because I, I can get task oriented. Um, and so I heard somebody come in who I knew was going to come in my office and I knew they were going to want to talk to me. God forbid someone talks to me <laughs> while working at a church. <laughs> and I was like, I literally had the thought in me. I had the thought in me of like, I want to get this done so bad. I need to get something. I start to feel the pressure of the time constraint of getting it done so bad. And I think to myself, what if I hide? What if I just don't make any noise? And I, like, and I thought some other thoughts too of like, I'll just go quick. Or I'll make up an excuse. I'd had all these thoughts. But the second I had those thoughts, you know what else happened? My heart was troubled. Yeah. There was something in me that was like, ah, that doesn't seem like, that doesn't see, that seems like not from him. And so what happened was under extreme stress, there was a division of what's of him and what's not of him. But what happened was it didn't get, it did nothing, nothing really happened then until I turned to him. I said, God, in that feeling of trouble, I turned to God, I said, God, um, what's going on here? Like, what do I do? And he said, who are you doing this for? He just asked the question of, who are you doing this task for? Like, when you, as you go with us, who are you doing this for? And that helped a ton to extract, you're right, I don't, I'm not doing this for, for me or for, to get the job done. Whatever. It's like, I, I commit this to you, I roll this over to you. And it changed everything. It, it, it made it so I could see clearly what was of him, what was of him, and I got to pick him. I got the opportunity to pick him. Wow. And then my heart became pure. It wasn't perfect. I still had the thought, but, my, but there, there was purity under, when I was under stress. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, great. So that, that example is helpful. Okay. All right, great. Thank you. I wasn't really trying to share that one, but that's fine. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, so you saw me divided. You know what really, I, I wrote this down in my notes. I think I'm glad I did is I wrote down that I was in the moment. I realized when he asked, who are you doing this for? I realized how double-minded I had been. I'm doing this for God. You can find me on a church website. I work for a church. I love the Lord. I read my Bible. In fact, I was reading my Bible. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Sitting there reading my Bible. And I'm sitting there saying, how dare they come in and bother my Bible? It's like, I'm sitting here, and I'm so double-minded, I don't even realize it. I'm sitting here saying, God, I do this for you. I love you so much. But at the same time, if I don't get this done, it's going to bother me. I'm wrapped up in what, I, what I'm accomplishing in the world and what I'm trying to accomplish with God. In fact, I was like, God, you stay over there. I'm accomplishing this So I'm, 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 my allegiance is kind of split between the world and God. No condemnation, but, I'm, but I didn't realize it until I was under stress and God said, mm, there's a division. Hey, who are you doing this for? And I was able to extract it. Does that make sense? But that double-minded, the idea of a double-minded is painted beautifully in James, so I want to go there to talk about it, okay? So let's go to James chapter 1. And remember, this is not me speaking. Please, please remember that. This is James. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Okay. So this, we're talking about me being double-minded. Now James is talking about you guys being double-minded. Let's talk. All right. 
Um, James chapter six, sorry, James chapter one, verse six says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Slow down. If you ask in faith, but you're doubting, he who doubts is like a wave tossed to and fro by the wind. So, so then you can expect to receive nothing from God because I'm a double-minded man. Now here's the trouble, because remember the heart of what we're talking about is I want the abundant life so bad, right? I want it. I want to see it in my life. I want to see it. But then I get in situations when I put under stress and I'm like, if I just hide, they won't know I'm in here. <laughs> it, how can I experience and actually receive what God has come to bring if, I, if my allegiance is split between him and the world? Do you know? But this is the beauty of the refining process. And that's why we'll go there in a second. But even before he gets into chapter, chapter one, verse six, he talks about my brethren... Count it all joy when you encounter um, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. He's talking about the refining process before he ever talks about this, but we won't go there yet. The thing that I want to highlight is that if I am doubting, then I'm tossed by the, by the wind. Yes. That means yes. that something outside of me is actually moving yes. me. You see what I'm saying? Something outside, someone walking into a building is actually making me say, I want to hide. That means that something, I'm allowing something in me that's not of me. Yes. I'm allowing something in me that's not of him. And so what happens is, it's, there's no condemnation in that. There's not like, if you like, if, you, if that's what happened to you, there's no condemnation. There's not like, there's no, there's not, I'm not beating you guys up. But I'm, I, I feel like it's so important. I feel like it's so important to like face these things head on so that we can embrace him with a pure heart. Cool. Okay, so that's, that's the doubt. You know the definition for doubting here in my Bible? Uh, this is a little study Bible. It says it means to, to debate or to be divided in one's mind. The term does not describe a momentary doubt, but a division of allegiance. Okay. And then the, the idea of, does that make sense? I don't want to speed past that. So, so what was being happened was I, was I was being exposed in my allegiance in that moment. You see what I'm saying? And therefore, because it, someone came in, I started to think, oh, I'm going to hide. I'm going to change how I do. And, and that's, it's no bueno. It's not good. Because what does it say in the very next verse? For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from God. So even if God says, I've brought you this, even if we have access to it, we can't Why? necessarily receive it. That's Why? That's good. I'm sorry. Your life is going to have to wait. I really care about what people think about me. Your life is going to have to wait. I really care about getting this done. There's no room. <sighs> okay, cool. And double-minded literally means um, if one part of a person is set on God and on the other is set on the world, um, they'll always be in conflict with each other. <sighs> okay. You guys good? So remember, if you think um, refining, we're thinking fire. We think fire, think division. That's the whole purpose of fires that we, we find division. And the whole purpose of division is that there would be extraction, that you'd be able to remove that. And that's why there's such a joy in James chapter one, verse two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy. So when you think about refining or trials or stuff, that's the invitation to joy is when you're under stress, there's an opportunity for there to be division of what's of God and what's not in you. And God can say, oh, we don't need that anymore here. It's not always fun. 
but there's no way around it sometimes. So, okay. Anyways, remember, remember the purpose of this. I'm not saying you're trying to be like, give you like a uh, rainbows and unicorns teaching. I want you in 10 or five years to come back to me and say, you know, I had a baby like my friend. I have been, I went to that man with eyes like fire. And he deposited something in my heart that I, I couldn't, I couldn't not conceive from. <sighs> okay. Okay. So let's go to James chapter four, verse seven. I want to talk more about purity. Okay, we're there. It says, um, James chapter four, verse seven. Oh, I, did, I, did I give you eight? Oh, you're just on it. Okay, cool. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then this is the juicy one. Remember, not me talking. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And that's it, right? That's the end of the Bible? <laughs> no, no. It says, Clint, Clint, let me just stop there for a second though. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You know, I didn't even have that verse highlighted up after that. And I have a study Bible and it goes into depth on everything else except for that verse. It's like, it's like they'll, they'll explain everything, but it's like, then when, once it gets to the part where it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's like, oh, we'll just speed past that. Me, the study Bible, it's like sometimes we have such a problem with that. And I think that looking at that verse, it's kind of like, draw near to God, who draw near to you, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it feels like this, I don't have access to intimacy with God if I'm dirty or if I'm messy or if I'm not perfect or if I'm not pure, right? At least that's how I saw it. Because when I was growing up, that's how I was fathered. That's how I was raised, was I was loved if I did well. And if I didn't, then there was kind of a, a withdrawing of it. You see what I'm saying? So I took that in my relationship with God where I was like, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But there's a little fine print to that. And that is, you better cleanse your hands. You better purify your heart. <sighs> Remember, we're matchmaking tonight. So let me tell you about this man whose heart is. You know what's crazy is the order of that. He does not say, clean your stuff up before you draw near to him. He says, draw near to me first. Come on. There's a very intentional order of what he's inviting us. You think he has a problem with your mess? We just sang about it in reckless love. You think he has a problem with your mess? We just read it. We didn't read about it, but Romans 5, read it. <laughs> at your lowest point, where you were still at enemies, enemies in your mind with God, he said, mm, I want them. Yes. In fact, I'll get down on my knee and propose them right now. You think he has a problem with the mess? He was born in a dirty manger. His first day on earth was in a place where nobody wanted him. It was a mess. We make it look pretty for Christmas scenes, but golly, there is poop from animals in the same place that our Savior was born, our King was born into. You think he's probably the problem with a mess? Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He is fine in your mess. In fact, the only way to cleanse, the only way to purify, the only way to become undouble-minded is in the place of I'm drawn near to him. So step one, draw near to him. Messes are okay. In fact, I won't say that. I'll leave that there. I was about to get fired up. Oh, look at this water city over here. Okay, thank you, Jesus. All right. Um, so messes are okay. Two, he talks about the, the next part of it is cleanse your hands, are you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We talked about that um, double-minded, what that means. 
the tone of that verse sounds different when you know that draw near comes first, right? But there's still a taste of like, oh, I have to clean up my act. And I don't think that's, I think the heart behind what James is saying in this chapter is actually wrapped up in how he ends that sentence, which is you double-minded. He knows that if we're double-minded, we cannot expect to receive anything from God. If our hands or our hearts are not pure, then it's like God is sitting here saying, anything that is in you that is not of me will toss you to and fro and you will be unsettled in all your ways and you will be unable to receive anything from me. So I've come to bring you abundant life and and we're sitting here saying, oh, but I want to hold on to this too. And he's like, oh man, just drop it. You can't hold on both at the same time. And he's not mad. He's not like, oh, you better drop it or else. It's like, he's saying, if you're not pure, if it's, not, if it's me plus anything else, then you won't be able to receive the abundant life. So you could be sitting here in your blue chairs or even up here teaching and say, I want the abundant life so bad. Oh, please give me the abundant life. But then not be willing to let go of Netflix. No, I'm not going for anybody. I'm not yelling at anyone. Is this, is this making sense? Remember, we talked about we want the abundant life. And it's like, okay. Well, draw near to God. Okay, we're good with that. Abundant life. See, the abundant life that I've come to find. The abundant life that I've come to find is like air. Air is all around us. It's inside of us, keeping us alive. It's wonderful. Like the, sorry, the life of God is like air. Like the life of God is everywhere. We can, but the difference between air for us is how we engage with it changes how it affects our bodies. Like even now, if I told you like, like I'm kind of getting self-conscious about it as I speak about it, but like if I take a deep breath, there's like, there's a peace that comes with it. it kind of, there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens when you take a deep breath, right? But the same thing happens with the, with the, with the breath of God. We have, sorry, with the life of God, we have access to it. It's all around us. It's in us. We have the life of God. But how we engage with it will determine how it affects us and our minds and our spirits and all that stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll keep going then. We can't earn air. We can't earn the life of God. We can't, there's no earning of it. No one worked hard enough to get air right now. No one's going to work hard enough to get the life of God. But we can choose to change the way we engage with it. Um, I'll say this, my, one of my family members smokes or used to smoke a lot of cigarettes and uh, it was crazy because when we were kids we'd run around together and it'd be fun and stuff. Now they can't even walk up the stairs without getting winded. The air didn't change. Come on. The air never changed. That's it. But what they were putting in their bodies actually affected how they interacted with the air. It's, okay, so I'm going to give you, so that's another one. It's just this conceptual thing. You want, now I'm going to give you a very nice example of my personal life. Again, I don't want to do these things, but this is fine. Here's a personal example. I, didn't, I never smoked cigarettes, but I do love watching sports, and I do love TV and stuff. And oftentimes, like, before I go to bed, my wife, before I go to bed, I'll, like, put on The Office or put on a show or something. I just like to go to sleep to it or whatever. But recently, I felt like God was saying, like, I don't want you to do that anymore. And it, but again, it, the tone wasn't like, this is naughty, don't do it. The tone was, I'm trying to walk you into abundant life. Yeah. And right now, your attention's being occupied by TV, and you want to say you want me as well. So what, what he called me to do is, like, I want you to stop watching TV before bed. Actually, in general, whatever. We won't get into that. 
But I'll tell you what happened when I did was it became so easy to have conversations with God. It became so easy to pre- falling asleep in the presence of God. I would wake up before my alarm and it'd be like God was just waiting for me. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Let's talk. And it was like my whole, that whole, that whole, all those moments. And it wasn't all, like it wasn't all beautiful. Sometimes it was confronting because I had to sit there and say, oh my gosh, these are the things I've been avoiding thinking about with TV. So it's not all beautiful, but I'll tell you, in general, it was so easy to engage with God in those moments when I took TV and said, I'm going to put that aside. Do you know what engage actually means? No, I hope you don't, because I have a bunch of definitions. There's like a bunch of definitions. So I'm going to read a couple to you right now with the purpose of, remember, we're matchmaking tonight, and remember, we're trying to experience abundant life, okay? So one of the first definitions for engage means to participate, participation. So for me to engage with God at night, it means that instead of participating with, you know, a show or participating or engage or whatever, it's I'm taking part in him instead of the show. Another definition of participation means to establish a meaningful connection with. So instead of me establishing a meaningful connection with a character on a show, I'm an imaginary character on a show. I'm establishing a connection with a living God. Okay, we'll keep going. All right, another definition is this, to reserve in advance. Think about this. I asked you if you're busy. You said, no, I have a prior engagement. What does that mean? That means that you have something already reserving your time in advance. So for us to engage with this abundant life of God, we may have to reserve our attention in advance. I'm sorry, you can't have that. I've already set my heart apart for him in that area. Another definition is this, to move into position to come into operation. I'm going to slow this one down a little bit. This one is specifically with machinery. So if I say I'm going to engage in third gear and I'm going to drive a little bit faster, or my son likes rocket ships, he'll be like, boosters on. He's engaging the boosters. He's, he's moving the boosters into a position to come into operation. And then he can run really fast. So for us to engage with the life of God is is the life of God being moved into a position to come into operation in my life? In the morning. Am I putting it in a position where it can come into operation or is it just sitting on my shelf collecting dust in my Bible? <sighs> Who knows? That's why we're here to ask these questions. To come into operation. Another definition is, this is going to be a fun one. To enter into conflict. So the tank engaged another tank in conflict or the guy engaged the other guy in combat. So for us to engage with things, I'm going to say this one. This is not a fun definition, but it is a real one, and it's important we talk about it. When we introduce the life of God to some things in our life, it may feel like it's entering into conflict with the things, the habits, the idols that we have in that place right now. I'll tell you, when when I put down entertainment for a little bit, it was like, it was, it was so confronting. The life of God was like, here I am. And I was like, but I miss not having to think. Yeah. It was so confronting. And I'm just here to say, it's okay. It's okay. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. You thought I came to bring peace? I've come to bring division. <sighs> Another definition is, um, this is actually the first one if you look it up. It says, involves someone's interest or attention. Another word, another way to describe it. I know it got quiet, but let me say it like this. If engaging means it's involving my interest or attention, what it's saying is something is occupying my attention. 
So going back to the TV example, if TV is occupying my attention, then there's not much room for God to get in there. I'll paint a picture like this. You guys ever use a porta potty before? There's a little sign on it, and it's either green or red. There's no in between, okay? And it's and it just says, you know, vacant, or the red one says, occupied, right? Has anyone ever seen that red sign and said, you know what? There's probably room for two in there. <laughs> no? Or, or, or even worse, the bathroom plane. You ever been on a plane in the bathroom and you see the line out there and you like, and it's like, it's red and it's occupied. No one's ever said there's room for, there's not even room for one in there most of the time. There's no, if, if there's something occupying that place, there is, there's only room in our attention for one. If my attention is preoccupied, I can't really engage with the things of God. But when something is removed, I'm telling you, when something steps out of that porta potty, when something steps out of that bathroom, that bathroom potty, when something's removed from it, when something's divided from it, when, when it's been heated up and under stress to the point where it's divided and you can actually extract it, when it's actually extracted from our attention, then we're set up to receive life. Yes. His abundant life. We're all hungry. Well, I said, I said abundant life at the beginning. We're like, yeah, we're hungry for that. See, when we remove what's occupying that place, then we can engage with him. Then we can engage with life. Then we can participate with life. Then we can partake in life. Then we can establish a meaningful connection with life. Then we can reserve our attention in advance for life. Then we can reserve our hearts in advance for life. Then we can move life into a position where it can come into operation in our lives. Come on. So if something is occupying your attention, you've been hungry. We've talked about we've been hungry for this abundant life. If something's occupying your attention, if something's using that bathroom in the airplane, then kick it out. Don't you wish? If you, I, I know for a fact, and the bathrooms and the airplanes especially, porta potties as well. But I wish, because I have to use the restroom so bad. I wish I could just kick the door down. Like, hey, excuse me, you've been in there way too long. <laughs> Get back out of there. I wish there was like a free button, like one time in your life you could just kick somebody out of the bathroom. I wish, but that's not the case. But with our attention, with our attention, with our hearts, that is the case. You have the freedom to kick anything out of your attention if you want the life of God in it. Hey, sorry, TV, Netflix, you gotta go, um, whatever. Uh, complaining. Yeah. Any, any of that. Yeah. Traffic. How people treat you? Yeah. Uh, what convenience? Yeah. Fear, getting it perfect, escaping. Anyone love it? Just escaping. That if that's occupying my attention, that's occupying my heart. I have the ability to say, "Excuse me, enough. You've had enough time there. Time to go. Get out of there." And say, "Here you go." Yeah. Well, I technically still have a lot more time. Um, Linda, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. On Spotify, there's a song called Fear of God by Upper Room. If you just take your time looking it up and give me like a wink when it's ready. What I'm going to do is pray, and then you could leave. No one's going to judge you if you leave. Um, but if you want to linger just for a little bit, if something stirred up in you and you want to kick something out, 
um, of the bathroom or you want to, I don't know, whatever you feel is right in your heart to do. Remember, the purpose of this is not a good teaching or information. I don't even believe in good teachers, man. I believe in a good stinking gospel, a good God. Like, I think that there's something so rich about who he is. If you're moved right now, it's not because I presented something really beautiful. It's because he's got, he's so beautiful. He's the one with the fire in his eyes. I'm telling you. So if you're stirred up by that, come on. Let's give him a place. Let's give him a place to enter in. Even if it's just for a moment. Is it good, Linda? Okay. Let me just pray and then we'll listen to the song. Cool. Actually, you know what? What am I going to do? Pray for it. I'll pray for you when you're not looking. We play the song. I'll hit the lights, and let's just let's just burn. <laughs>